Ear splitting before match point. Londa. Chin. Turn back and Purdue wins. Setting up Peterson again. Block. Boilermakers do it. They survived the upset with a three-set run to win in five and advance to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year. The block by Purdue and the Boilermakers are moving on. The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. Corey Palmer alongside head coach Dave Shondell. Coach, uh, one and one last week, uh, uh, a five-set thriller in Bloomington in, a, in an environment and uh, uh, a match that you knew was probably going to be exactly what it turned out to be, a barn burner between two rivals, came out ahead uh, against the Hoosiers, and then uh, falling at home Sunday afternoon to, uh, to a very talented and very hot Maryland team right now. They've won nine straight sets. I don't think a lot of people understand that about this Maryland squad, but just yeah. thoughts on the week. Well, I, I knew, Corey, when we came back to beat Indiana that that was a, a really big win. Yeah, um, That could have gone the other way. And when we got on that bus and we're driving home, I, I just turned around and told our team, I said, guys, that was that was a great win. That win is, is going to mean a lot you know, for this program moving forward, not even knowing that we would lose you know, two days later to, to Maryland. But anytime you go on the road in this this league and you can win, uh, it's they're, they're big wins, significant wins. And I think, you know, we've gone on the road three times and we've won all three at Illinois, at Iowa, and out in, in, in Indiana. Um, but with just three and two at home with losses to Wisconsin, who's really good, and then Maryland, which, you know, the general public doesn't recognize that they have a lot of their players back from last year. They're the best blocking team in the country. I'm a little surprised they dropped a couple of the matches early in the Big Ten season that they did uh, after watching them play against us. But um, I thought we were a little bit flat, but I, I think that Maryland played with a lot more purpose than we did on that particular night and that's or that afternoon. And that means a lot, you know, is, is you know how much passion and desire and toughness are you playing with? And, and they beat us on that one. We, even in the third set, we had about a 21 to 16 lead. And it looks like, okay, we're gonna at least push this into a four set and maybe build some momentum and make things real interesting. And before you know it, we're walking out the door with a 3-0 defeat uh, to Maryland. But kudos to them. I, I, I really like Adam Hughes. He's one of my uh, favorite coaches in, in the Big Ten. He does things the right way. Um, He's, he's recruited really well, he trains well, and, and I expect Maryland to win you know, plenty of matches down the stretch of this Big Ten season. Boilermakers stand at 15-3 overall, 6-2 in the Big Ten, good for fourth place as, uh, as the standings are right now. We'll talk about the week ahead, uh, something you, before we went on air, talked about maybe the, the most challenging week of the season. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit, but before we do that, we're just past halfway mm-hmm. in the season. We're approaching halfway in the Big Ten season. I know, uh, I know. Now is usually the time where you like to figure that you've figured some things out about the team, hopefully, and maybe can can set your sights yeah. on goals for the end of the year. Hopefully, we figured a few things out, but I think we have. I, th- I think that uh, this team, not young, as far as where they are in their college career, 
but young and how much time they spent on the floor for Purdue volleyball competing in, in the Big Ten or at any other level. Um, I think that they, we just got off to a really good start. And thank goodness that we did because that, that's going to give us uh, a lot of stock, a lot of wins that will help us in what now I think we've determined as our goal is number one, let's just, let's just find a way to get in the NCAA tournament. History indicates that when Purdue gets it, makes the NCAA tournament, they're a very dangerous team and they can go deep into the tournament. So let's, let's number one, let's not focus on where we want to be ranked, which has nothing to do with much of anything uh, in, in the world of college volleyball, or where we're going to necessarily finish in the Big Ten, because it, it's just a really tough league to win, and especially if you have a young, young, inexperienced team in Big Ten competition like we do. But I think what happened a little bit, Corey, this is just my take, and I, I could be dead wrong on this, but we got a lot of hype early whether it was being ranked fifth in the country. Yep. Um, when we, when I think everybody on our team knew we weren't the fifth best team in, our, in the country, but the hype was there, the pressure started to mount that, okay, we've got to start beating everybody now because we're ranked fifth in the country. Or all the awards that we were getting through the Big Ten um, Conference, uh, I think that added a little bit of uh, weight on the shoulders of some of our players. And so I, I felt like the loss to Maryland gave us an opportunity to say, hey, Let's let's relax a little bit here, mm -hmm. okay? Let's yeah. not feel like every time we step on the floor, we have to win every match. I mean, you, you want to win every match, and you've got a chance in this league to win every match, but you've also got a chance to lose every match in this league. That's just the way the conference is this year. I talked to the, the folks on the Big Ten Network uh, just, I don't know if it was yesterday, two days ago. It's kind of a blur. But, uh, you know, they asked, have you ever seen the Big Ten Conference when there's been so much parity where – you know, anybody can beat anybody. And the question is, no, I, I've not seen it this way. And it's a credit to the coaches of some of these programs that have not been as good, mm -hmm. credit to the new coaches that have come in recently that have, you know, jump-started programs and gone out and done a great job of bringing in transfers and foreign players and everything else to try to, you know, load, load their roster up. And so now um, there's just not that much difference in talent. I feel like there's two or three teams that are above the rest. And there might be one or two that are a little bit below. And then you've got this mob in the middle yeah. of about you know nine teams or so that uh, you know they're going to beat each other up that's just the way that it is and um, fortunately with that situation we've done okay so far mm -hmm. and we should feel good about that but right now it's 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 continually about taking one match at a time and and just being prepared but the league is going to be really really tough it's an absolute meat grinder and you can't let one loss turn into two losses or three losses because you lose confidence or, you know, you start getting upset and frustrated. That's just this league. Mm -hmm. And it's been this league for as long as I have been in it. So it's no different this year, except I do think there's a lot of parity between teams, you know, three and four, all the way down through, you know, 12 or 13. Nebraska sits atop the Big Ten at 8-0. Wisconsin and Ohio State 7-1, and then the Boilermakers right there 6-2. Minnesota 5-3. and uh, You'll see two of those teams this week. And like I said, we'll preview that in a bit. Now that we sort of know what the Big Ten looks like, where what's the rest of the country? Has it is it sort of shaped up outside the Midwest how you imagine it would, or or what, what is sort of the I, you know, I right think now? I think more than ever, it's a bit of a mashed potatoes situation. To be honest with you, uh, um, that's the reason that when we lost to Maryland, we just dropped from nine to twelve in the poll. I mean. You know, of course, I'm talking about how you feel like the the world's 
the skies fall when you get beat. I'm thinking, man, we're going, we're going to really bottom out. We dropped yeah. just three spots, losing to an unranked team because so many other teams are getting beat by teams in, in their league because there's just this – it's just not a Big Ten thing. It's just there's so – it comes down to, Corey, there are so many women playing volleyball right now, and, and that's the difference. Yeah. Great athletes, more great athletes playing our sport than ever before. And so because of that, there's only 12 scholarships per school, and then with COVID, you know, a lot of players are staying. So you've got more good players that are feeding into more teams that are, that are being – better coached than what they probably were before. I think that, that just makes sense that, yeah. you know, there's uh, volleyball has risen, the stock has risen, the sport, the coaches are being paid a little bit better than what they have, so they're enviable jobs. And now people are working harder to keep those jobs. And, and so they're, they're doing a really good job. So it's just, you know, look at the Pac-12, you look at the, uh, the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, and then even the Big East, where you've got Marquette and Creighton, who are two really, really good teams. And the, and the, and the Big West Conference, it's got three teams that have been you know in the top 25 all season long but I just think that um, I, I think Texas has got more physical talent than anybody else and they've got experience and they're hungry because they haven't had the success over the past few years that they felt like they should have and then you have Louisville who uh, I don't think is quite as physical uh, with size and stature and, and those kinds of things as what Texas is, but they're, they're a proven commodity after being one of the best teams in the country a year ago, the number one seed going into the NCAA tournament, mm -hmm. and they've lost one match and upset to, I think it was San Diego that may have uh, bit them uh, on the home floor. Um, but they've lost a couple sets, you know, to teams that were a little surprising in, in their league. But again, just shows you that the, uh, you know, their league is, uh, is solid as well. So um, I, I don't think you can tell much except Texas is the, the um, the, the lead dog right now, yeah. and I think everybody is kind of chasing them. And I think Louisville's, you know, second. And then, then you get into Nebraska, Wisconsin. I know San Diego is is up there because they did, had a really good non-conference deal. But I, I just don't know how at the end of the season, once these teams really get into a groove from some of these bigger conferences, if San Diego is going to be able to continue to hold their own or not. They might, they may be able to. They've got some some skilled players. That's their strength is skilled players, not necessarily big physical kind of players when you look at Wisconsin or Nebraska or uh, Minnesota or Penn State, some of those kind of teams. But uh, at the end of the day, San Diego is, is going to probably be somebody you're going to have to look at uh, as well. The surprising thing is the Pac-12 has not risen very high in, in, in the rankings because their non-conference success was not great. Mm -hmm. And then they're kind of beating each other up. USC leads that league right now, and I gave them a number 24 vote uh, in the poll this past week. Um, they did not make the top 25, they but they're they're the group that's really starting to play well. They got had some great transfers and uh, coached. Uh, I think he's in his second or third year right now, but he's really making some noise out there and doing some good recruiting. So they're they're the team that's going to you know really do well. But they've all but you keep in mind Stanford is in the top 10. Yep. Washington, Oregon. Uh, are up there. Um, I know that Washington State has been playing pretty well also, but uh, th that league is just not quite as good right now as, as it has been traditionally. You mentioned something there at the very beginning, and we haven't talked about it. We talked about it a lot last year because it affected us. We didn't. We haven't talked about it as much this year because the COVID effect, the COVID carryover, it doesn't really. Your squad is not dramatically affected by it, but I know that there are some. You know. Hannah Clayton's got an extra year. Uh, uh, Grace, Grace has Grace an extra year yeah. because of that. But yeah. 
that's going on still around the country. It's and, and still, that, still possible for players to, for two more years. And uh, it's going to continue to, like you you're said, seeing less. widen you're, the pool. Yeah, but you're seeing less. You're seeing right. less players staying because the group that was affected the most was that Caitlin Newton, Jenna Otet class where their senior year was no crowds. Right. And it was kind of just a, a dismal opportunity to really celebrate a senior year. And so it made sense for them to stay. But now you still have, um, you know, maybe half as many mm -hmm. uh, that might be staying. I think a lot of them are moving on to, to do. They had their senior year and, and so forth, unless they just absolutely love uh, playing college volleyball and, and they want to do it again or there, there's something in their their goals or objectives they want to hang around to, to try to accomplish, then, then they will stay. And I think that's great. I don't have any against yeah. that. We just didn't have anybody on our squad last year that fit that bill. And they're all out doing their own thing right now, okay, and, and doing very well, by the way, if you look at all the players that graduated from Purdue last year. So, uh, but, yeah, that's that, that's going to be a factor for a while, and it does, it does affect. And if you're looking at these kids that are being recruited, they're the ones that are really feeling that, that heat because they're – Kids that may have played it in the Power Five conference um, aren't getting into the Power Five because there's just not as many opportunities. Right. So they're having to play at the next level, which is making that level a little bit better. So that was kind of what my point was. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's why maybe that's maybe part of the reason you've got Marquette and Rice and Pepperdine, Western Kentucky, yeah. San Diego, all these, yeah. all these. Although they, schools uh, those those schools have kind of been knocking on that door before too, but I, I think it's. It's then the, the next level, I think, is what where I think is being uh, impacted a little bit. But that that would okay. take a little bit more scientific research yeah. than what we have time for today. We'll we'll leave that to some other time. We're going to step aside real quick and be back to preview the week. The Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Now back to the show. Nebraska tonight. On the home boards, uh, they're uh, they're one of the best teams in the country. I would say certainly a Final Four caliber squad. Um, what is the most important thing for you for your squad going into tonight? Just to play well. I mean, you know, we we felt like last weekend we were a bit of a shell of ourselves. We weren't really playing uh, the way that we had been playing most of the season. And uh, again, I, I, I credit some outside influences of pressure on that, and I, I'd like to eliminate that the best we can, but that's going to be up to our players. I mean, I certainly have a role in trying to help with that. And, and just go out and compete and, and, and understand we got a game plan, but that means you have to make adjustments during the course of matches and, and see things on your own and, and, and make reactions to what's going on in the match. But this is a really good team. It's, it's not a whole lot different than when Minnesota came in, you know, four or five weeks ago, um, first week of the Big Ten season, I think it was. Yep. And, uh, and, and we played particularly well uh, in that match and, and rose to the occasion and, and played with fire and, and purpose. So that's, that's what I want to see from this team. The wins and losses, as you know, will take care of themselves. All you can do is play the best volleyball you can play. And if this team does play the best volleyball we can play during the course of the season, we're going to have a fantastic season. We're going to have something we can all be proud of. But we can't, we can't be tight. We can't be worried about things. We can't, you know, we got to be, be great teammates and, and play with great cohesion and, uh, and just you know, great confidence as well. Do have a pretty good history against the Cornhuskers here in town. Rec relatively speaking. Re re relatively, relatively speaking. speaking uh, considering that yeah. they are routinely, yeah. you know, a top five club yeah. and, and John yeah. Cook's one of the best coaches 
yeah. you know, in the game. Yeah, no, this, I mean, John Cook's a great coach. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, you know, whenever, you know, you're the Yankees of, the, of college volleyball, um, you know, people always want to try to find something wrong with people, and they're critical. And, and John Cook just has done a great job for a long, long time. And everybody says, well, it's easy to recruit to Nebraska. Well, why is it easy to recruit to Nebraska? Because between Terry Pettit, who's, who built the program, and John Cook, who has taken it to another level, they, they've just done a masterful job in a state that at one point in time was, was difficult to recruit players to. Was, they basically were getting all their players right out of the state or that part of the country. Now, you know, John can go anywhere he wants to and, and find players that want to play in front of 8,200 people yeah. on, on every night and, and play in a great venue and a, a lot of those things. But uh, John Cook is, is, is right now the best in the business, uh, in my opinion. He's the best coach that is out there. I would have said Russ Rose, uh, you know, and John Cook for a while, but Russ is retired. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's life in the Big Ten. Uh -huh. You know, you're, you're, you're going at it. You know, with with the best. You know, of course. You know, the news that broke just the other day about Hugh McCutcheon uh, was quite honestly a, a huge surprise to me, but yet not that surprising because um, number one, he's always going to have other options, and this job is not easy. Yeah. This this coaching college athletics, it looks easy. Everybody would, I'm sure, would like to try it, but it, it it's it's got a lot of different stresses in, involved in it, and um, uh, I wish. You know, Hugh, the very, very best. He's been great for our league. Um, he's a, a true gentleman and somebody that I have incredible respect for. And he's always been hard to beat. And um, But uh, he did a great job, and, and I wish him the very, very best. I, I had a chance to coach his wife in a – um, it was an a, it was an All-American match out in uh, Northern California, in Santa Cruz, California. And uh, Liz is, is, is her name, and she was a six-foot-four-inch middle blocker, just a great, great player and a wonderful person. And now they've got two children, and uh, they're doing well. So their life is going to be good, but my guess is that he's, he's got something else that uh, you know, might be better suited for him right now in, in the life of his family. Well, you'll get a chance to see him Saturday. Yeah, we will. When you we head will. Out there. And, and probably kind of from a timing perspective, maybe glad to be going to Minnesota to be able to, to see Hugh. Well, in, yeah, it's, it's also week. bad timing because we, we found a way to beat those guys you know, yeah, about right. four or five weeks ago, and, and they're not going to be happy about that, and that will be great motivation for them. But we've got to find ways to be motivated ourselves and uh, to go up there and, and win there. We won there last year, which was the first time, I think, that we have won at Minnesota. Um, in our career, keep in mind you don't play there every year. Right. Um, but uh, it, w it had been a tough out for us to go up there and find a way to win in Minneapolis, and so it was so nice to do that with our group last year. That was the weekend we beat Wisconsin on a Friday and uh, beat those guys on a Saturday. So that was a pretty nice uh, weekend, one of the best ever uh, road weekends in, in the history of our volleyball program. And but this this weekend, as you as we talked about, it's going to really test the metal of our team and how tough we are and how well we compete. And again. And I'm, this isn't a cop-out, Corey. I don't care about the wins and losses, yeah. okay? Uh, what I need to see is a team that is playing together, is competitive as all get out, and is finding a way to get better every day, whether it's in practice or in matches. What specifically, getting into the nuts and bolts without giving away, you know, state secrets here, what do you need to do better? What do they need to, to perform better at? Well, I, I think the last weekend one of the things was that you know, one of the, the, the one of the primary skills of the game that is really a, a touch skill is setting. And, and last weekend, I think because of, of Indiana being that rivalry match, which is going to you know be a little bit more of a 
uh, a stressful match. We had two setters that had never set a ball in that match, in that rivalry yeah, before, true. and uh, and I just don't think that they played at the level that I'd seen them in practice for the last two or three weeks. We kept, you know, our staff will talk about how well they're doing, you know, how much they're improving, and then they kind of took this a step back, and then we did a little bit better um, the next night against Maryland. We, you know, we kind of loosened up a little bit as as the match went on, and that that wasn't a problem. But I think, you know, the setting situation will will improve. And that's something I think makes everything go. Mm-hmm. Hitters having you know that kind of confidence and knowing where that ball is going to be, so they can come in and, and be swinging from the hip and getting after the ball. Um, blocking against these two teams will be huge. De- the defensive side of the ball. These these are two of the best offensive teams, um, potential offensive teams in the country with with size and power and and, and quality experience setting. One's got Shaftmaster, who's been starting for three years at Minnesota. The other has. Hames, that's in her fifth year, and then another player. They run a 6-2 offense. So both teams are are bringing a lot of powerful attackers at you, and so your block is going to have to be sharp, and your backcourt people have got to be relentless in, the, in making plays defensively. 8 o'clock tonight versus Nebraska tonight being Wednesday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, 8 o'clock versus Nebraska on the Big Ten Network. Saturday up at Minnesota, 9 o'clock start, 9 Eastern, also live on the Big Ten Network, so uh, good national exposure, good chance for folks to see this club uh, yeah. perform and compete and uh, and all of that like if they can't make it to, to these venues. Yeah, we sure hope we have a, a great crowd tonight. Our, our, our fans have been phenomenal. And uh, the block party, you know, their, their leadership has been terrific. They're doing everything they can to, to pack that uh, north end of the bleachers every night, and, and they're making a difference. I don't, I don't think... Uh, they've been as as good in a long time as yeah. they have been this year with their creativity and their effort and their noise that they've made down there. And I, I just hope that the loss to Maryland won't um, deter anybody from coming back. And, and when you got Nebraska, I mean, and I told I told our players this last night, Corey, uh, as we were getting ready to leave. I said, "How many home matches do you guys have left this season?" I said, "We got a lot of veteran players who are going to play their last season here yep. at Purdue. Five matches remain yeah you hit the road quite a bit for five matches out. remain and you just hope that that they're going to get as much out of as possible and the same thing goes for our, our fans yeah. five five home matches is all we have left with this team this this not necessarily young but uh, certainly a little green under the gill uh, but playing their hearts out you know for the old golden black and so um, i'm proud of them i mean i i i, I tell them tell them that you know sometimes the old ball coach can be be critical, and I've tried not to be with this group um, to, to the best of my ability. But I've told them over and over again how proud I am of, of what they have accomplished. But our success will be determined what we do. Yeah. And our success is going to be dictated not by Eva Hudson, okay, um, not by the young players on this team, okay, but by those seven seniors that we have on our roster, seven, not including Meg Renner, who's a yeah. red shirt. That's, that's who's going to decide it for us, okay? Maddie Chin, Emma Ellis, Maddie Cook, um, uh, the two transfers, yeah. uh, Skimmerhorn. I mean, th- those are the people, Ava Torrance, those are the people that are going to really dictate where we go, and, th- and that's where it should be. It should be laid in their lap. Should be. They've been through the wars, yeah. okay? So let's, let's, let's see what they can do to lead this team to a great season. Good luck tonight against the Cornhuskers. Thank you, Corey. Boiler up. Boiler up.